0: And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Today, we have Saul Luckman. He is a iconoclastic psychonaut devoted to exploring and exposing the truth about human history and potential. He is a longtime researcher of shamanicism and spirituality. Saul also is a pioneering painter whose work has appeared on mainstream book covers. He is an award-winning and international best-selling author of humor, fiction, and nonfiction, as well as the host of the podcast, Saul Luckman Uncensored. I invited Saul on to talk about his award-winning new novel, Callie the Destroyer, where he rewrites Gnosticism and the Story of Sophia as well as the origins of the earth and humanity. I learned of Saul through many synchronicities and I am so excited that he's with me today. Thank you so much for joining me, Saul. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm good. I'm as busy as can be, but I'm, I'm really good and excited with a lot of projects. How are you doing?
0: I'm so excited that you agreed to come on. I can't see, are you like anonymous?
1: I am. Are you? I am. Okay. Following in the proud footsteps of J.D. Salinger, I'm just making a joke, but he, he okay. actually he actually didn't like to put his image out there either. When I started offering the healing work that I do, it can be very dramatic and profound and even miraculous. And there was a, an increasing tendency of people that I was sharing it with in the early days to kind of want to turn me into some kind of guru or something like that, and it really gave me kind of the heebie-jeebies. And I. Um, had uh, conversations with various people, including Lee, my partner, and and she was in agreement that you know the easiest way would be to negate that trend would just be to remove me from the equation and to make the work about the work and not about me in any way. And so that began a long period of anonymity. That's you know it's over two decades long at this point in time. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I can I can respect that. Um, we have so many people that send us daily bios. And most of them are amazing. They bring great wisdom and our listeners love them. But sometimes I happen to run into people who like you that I am so excited to talk to because I'm on my own journey. And there was (laughs) two synchronicities. One, I was editing a podcast There was a lady who lived in Brazil and she was on to tell us a story about how when she was a teenager, she was on this island. Her grandfather bought this island in Brazil and she saw these lights and she had like this experience with the UFO. She started receiving all of these things. And then I'm listening to you. You were on Miguel's podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And Bites. Yes. And I'm listening and you're like describing a very similar situation. And I'm like, wait a second, this this is weird. I'm like, I'm like literally like editing this part right now. And you're like describing something very similar. So that was like the first thing (laughs) I thought that was so cool. And I, I do want to hear that story. And then I have a side podcast only for Patreon, but it's all on Sophia for the past almost two years now. Oh my God, I've been on this. I mean, like, you wouldn't believe what I've experienced. Insane. I was having these dreams that were like of creation. And then I would end up like reading something in the Gnostic Gospels. And I'm like, holy shit, I think I saw that. So I couldn't explain it to everybody. I can't even explain it to you right now. Because I mean, if you mean we don't have enough time, your head would probably blow off your body. So I had to do, you know, 20 minute segments is what I have. And like, I'm researching Sophia and I'm on this episode where I want to know why Solomon was like all about her. So I go down this path and I'm, I mean, I'm like, okay, so what's up with Solomon and all of his gifts, you know, like what's up with King David and his liar Some research on vibration frequency and scalar energy. And then I don't know, I, re- I can't even tell you how I got to it. And here you you're on some chicks podcast talking about Frequency and sound. I don't even know what particular podcast it is because I couldn't even find it. You know, how, like if you're not subscribed, you can't go back.
1: Mm, yeah, it could and, be any number of podcasts.
0: Yeah, but all I know is you started to talk about Kelly the Destroyer at, towards the end, and then the interview was over. And I was like, shit, I wanted to hear more. But then I got the book. <laughs> I've been listening to it at night, which I should know better because now I'm like in the story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think Teresa did a great job narrating it.
0: Oh, great voice! Yes, I would agree. Yeah, I've been falling asleep to her voice.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, later on she sings, uh, and it's amazing. Towards the end, there's a this grand performance, and we're curious about how that was going to come across because this is a written document, and so she sang the part, and it was so mind-blowingly good it gave me chills it was really something so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you get there it's I mean uh, I wouldn't skip ahead to it because it's such a build-up but um, okay right you know let her sort of give you that payload because it's it's really something the way you know she happens to be a really good reader and, you know, narrator and has those gifts, but not everyone can sing and she could actually sing. And I was like, oh, thank God, you know, because I hadn't even thought that through when, when I decided to go with her as a narrator. And yeah. then later on, I'm like, oh God, I hope she can actually sing a little bit anyway to pull this off. And lo and behold, it was, it was wonderful.
0: Oh, I'm excited. Yes. I like to do audible. So I'm so appreciative that you have that. For myself, I'm very clairvoyant. So every, I see everything in my mind. And I've always had a great imagination. I feel like I've had like this remembering. I feel like I've seen scenes and scenes of of different lifetimes for so long. And thinking, you know what? Those are probably real.
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably aware of some of the research that's been done into reincarnation where, you know, little kids will have memories that they couldn't possibly have had they not actually been experiencing those things. Very often it's with people in the neighborhood or family members or extended family members. And a lot of times uh, the kids will have moles or birthmarks in exactly the same places. Their, their, the shape of their face will be very, very similar. It's, it's really kind of crazy. To me, it's yeah. enough data to essentially prove that it's it's a real phenomenon, however it works. I don't know for sure. I have my ideas about it, but it's a real phenomenon.
0: I think so too. So that is how I actually came into knowing about past lives. At the time, my daughter, she was four, she had told me and her other sister, just randomly. And this is a little girl who loved ponies. <laughs> she says, Mommy, did you know one time I was an old man? And she just like walks off, and we're like,
1: What? I love it. <laughs> great that's great
0: yeah but then she came back with details my oldest daughter started asking her questions and she said what do you mean and she was like yeah and she actually said that she lived in New York and that her name was John Williamson wow so I went to her school her preschool at the time and I asked her teacher and I'm trying not to be like totally a freak you know you guys like studying you know New York or nope I guess studying someone named John Williamson, she looked at me very weird. (laughs) Mm. I'm like, she's like, Mm. no. So there actually was a John Williamson, a fireman who died in 9
1: 11. Oh, goodness gracious. That is wild. Mm.
0: And she was born in 2012, but she has this obsession with New York. And we've never been there, we don't have family there. And I've even heard her friend and her not too long ago talking about New York in the backseat. And she was talking about City Park and she was, it's so beautiful. And I turned around like, how would you know?
1: That's wild. You you want to hear the uh, title of a blog I published today? It was a press release blog. Best-selling author Saul Luckman garners two more big literary awards, this time by way of the Big Apple. And so Callie won these two awards in the the NYC Big Book Awards.
0: Congratulations.
1: But isn't it funny that you would be sharing that with, me, on the day I published that news, I haven't even shared that publicly until today.
0: That is amazing. The big apple. <laughs> but speaking of apple, it reminds me of the creation story. I grew up Catholic. Deeply rooted Catholic. Now, you know, doing my ancestry, I understand why I'm so Catholic. Basically, it was a law for a long time. Mm. Was it, you know, part of the Black Code? I had ancestors come down from Canada. I mean, that was, they were told, go straight down to that church over there and get your, you and your children baptized. Wow. So I thought, wow, that must have been a huge hit on the Vatican when Louisiana Purchase happened. You know, I don't know how my Sophia journey ended up in secret societies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had oh. no idea, but Napoleon was a Freemason.
1: Or they all were. I mean, they all know, were. probably even with the Catholic Church and the Louisiana Purchase, I'm sure they... Yeah, they, well, they were playing both sides against the middle like they're you know like they always do so
0: yeah you'll like my new song so i can't really sing that much but i came up with this it's my country tis of thee founded on freemasonry <laughs>
1: <laughs> i saw this meme. it's so funny you're, you're like keying little funny things I, i'm over on snooze to that's my blog and i've got a couple blogs but this is interesting it's memes it's a it's a blog post that is say what you truly meme and so just a lot of memes that came up over the last few years uh, starting you know with with covid and moving forward and there was one that was sort of on on this wavelength this the pledge of allegiance what it really means okay oh. I blindly pledge my obedience as a bonded surety to the United States of America and to the bankrupt franchise of which it is a subsidiary, one globally dominant corporation under control of the Pope, infinitely divisible with slavery and injustice for all the people.
0: Oh my God, that is so crazy! So I actually wrote the rest of that song too, and it's much like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's hard to have your eyes open to that and then and, and not see just how, how deep the rabbit hole starts to go.
0: But let's talk about you, Saul. I want to know how you grew up. You know, did you grow up with these Gnostic beliefs or is this something that you discovered?
1: Oh, no. And I mean, I will say, too, that even my Gnostic beliefs are... Are constantly changing evolving, and um I'm probably iconoclastic even as a gnostic who are known for being iconoclastic, so you know I'm the gnostic that gnostics would probably love to hate so uh, <laughs> because ultimately i'm you know i'm i'm really uh, of the of the opinion at this point that the the goddess is probably not you know a a, a god or a goddess, but right. it's more like a motherboard so yeah uh, um, uh, yes. So that's the matrice, the you know, you there's your French la matrice, the, the matrix, the, yeah. the, the womb, uh that's the hardware holding all this together, all the, the simulation, this uh, Maya or mm-hmm. Yeah. So gosh, no, I didn't grow up with any of that. I grew up in a um fundamentalist Christian southern area. Fortunately, my family, my immediate my mother and my father weren't uh particularly religious my mother was more spiritual my father was not particularly religious at all at the time you know in fact I have memories of of going with my mother to Quaker meetings and that kind of thing because she was sort of a closet hippie and anyway so I was exposed to very very different things growing up and I did have a period where I entertained Christianity when I was in youth group and the choir and that kind of thing and I was just exposed to it a lot I guess I was trying to fit in but it never really fit me and it didn't stick for for very long we're talking about a period of a few years when I was in my early teens and by, by my mid to late teens I was pretty much you know on another path who knows what that was at the time because it certainly wasn't religious it was probably incipiently spiritual in some ways that's you know around 18 was when I had my first mushroom trip and <laughs> opened up my, you know, my brain to completely different worlds and possibilities and, and you know, certainly did some of that over the years and and it wasn't like my main thing but um, it was something that I occasionally did and learned from. I
0: feel like I'm the same, by the way. I feel like if I if I call myself say agnostic or anything, then I'm just putting myself back in a box and I'm just no longer in a box. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, just because you write a book about something doesn't mean you're, you know, you're completely in that. Really what Callie was, was a, was inspired by the work of John Lash, who wrote Not in His Image, which truly is one of the greatest contemporary books about Gnosticism. And it's very challenging for a lot of people. Not, not that it's difficult to read, but that he will challenge your worldview, your beliefs, all kinds of things and kind of Mm put a lot of things in a blender for you. uh, And it's, you know, full of extreme possibilities you know, at, like I said earlier, I, I've kind of been drifting in a simulation d- direction where I'm not really convinced that any of this is real. And I don't think he would be in, in that position at all. Right. Um, I think he's very much attached to the reality of the goddess. Um, so, you know, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, it's a book of fiction and, and I was just taking his ideas and kind of retelling the fallen goddess scenario, this idea mm-hmm. that this Eon fell out of the center of the galaxy and created the archons and became the earth and we're living on her. And then and then my twist was, is that her spirit reincarnates mm-hmm. in a character and also the spirit of her consort Thelite mm-hmm. reincarnates or incarnates in a character to try to save the world from this dystopian situation that really is a lot like what we saw in the pandemic. And I don't know if you heard me tell the story of how Callie even came about. Did you hear that story where I got no. the- this- Well, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing. I, I went to bed one night in the fourth quarter of sometime in 2019, and I felt like I was sort of being electrocuted and i wasn't really sleeping i was in some altered state and the whole plot for the novel downloaded into me mm. and then i began writing it and it was all about this fake pandemic and you know oh. and about injections right and all of this crazy stuff so i i been and so as i was writing the novel all of these crazy things were happening in the world around me that I had been told about months previous.
0: Oh my god! Did you manifest the pandemic?
1: <laughs> yeah, someone said. Someone said you're the demiurge.
0: Oh my god, that was crazy! Wow. Yeah,
1: so crazy. I mean, when
0: you said 2019 and then you said pandemic, it didn't even dawn on me. Oh my god, that was right before.
1: Yeah, right before. I hadn't. I had not heard about anything about it. And I really didn't hear anything about it for, for a while. I think I was a little late to the party I'm, you know, I just wasn't paying attention. I don't watch the news. I, do. <laughs> so, so anyway, but when I finally started paying attention to what was going on, I was, I was shocked and amazed and a little bit disturbed, but also kind of like, well, this is sort of cool. I mean, you know, insofar as I was clearly given a precognition of these events.
0: Wow. That is amazing. So how long did it take you then to write the
1: book? Yeah, I mean, um, I think I finished it in, it did not go past a year in terms of the writing of the manuscript. And then you go through editing and all the stuff that you go through to publish a book, but uh, it didn't take quite a year.
0: So how much knowledge did you have of like the creation story and
1: of Sophia yeah well I've been reading and studying this stuff for a while okay. know, I've read a number of the Gnostic texts which I find very difficult to to get through but I've read mm-hmm. those and John Lash's material and and many of his you know his written material and I've heard him speak a number of times and there was a group of people associated with Laura Walker's work the Oracle Report um she's really big into the goddess and the Mahavidyas and all of that She's an astrologer who has her own take on astrology. And she kind of marries that together with her alleged relationship with the mavidges and, and Sophia and that kind of thing. So it's an interesting body of work. Maybe there's some blind spots, but anyway, there's definitely, there's definitely something going on there that she's tapped into.
0: Wow. So it was really funny because the first time I ever heard of Sophia, I wasn't looking for Sophia um, I had on this lady named Bridget Pinclair, and she's talking about Keys of Enoch, which I was very interested in. And she's then she says and she teaches a class and she's like, I teach the class, um, the Pisces of Sophia. And I was like, OK, what's that? And so I like looked it up and like searching for the Priestess of Fear.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my God! It was
0: then I did have J.J. Hurtak on, and you know, author of Keys of Enoch, and he translated. I had Hiana's wife on, and um, what was really interesting is that a lot of this stuff was just like so stupid hit- synchronicity. But I tell you, this all it was like ridiculous. Like my last name is Bavra, V-A-V-R-A. Well, mm. uh, in you know Greek Hebrew, Sophia's got that bob, right? Yod hey has Bob in it. Yeah. changing her talk talks a lot about Bob, and just like wow. And then, of course, the end is raw, <laughs> right? Then I looked at my first name, and it, and I never knew this. I'm like, how did I never know that? It means um the possessor of hidden wisdom. Hmm.
1: Yeah. But you know, I mean,
0: it was stuff like that, like those kind of connections, is how I found her. It's like constant. It still is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for just about anybody who is willing to go down the rabbit hole of something like the keys of Enoch you know you're you're definitely looking at a lot of layered experiences somewhere in your psyche because I mean that's some um, that's some pretty intense stuff
0: <laughs> and that was weird too because the first time I ever got it I was working on an oracle deck and I was making a oneness card and it was like this world on like just the sky and I was like it's so dark what should I do I need to make something lighter so I put a dove on it oh and I also put like hands around the earth that same day I got my keys of Enoch book in the mail so crazy I opened up the book to the this page and it's Return of the Dove and it's like this dove on the map I'm like holy shit that's kind of like what I made (laughs) then I look at the front and there's all these hands you know going towards the dove
1: (laughs) That is that is very cool. Thanks for sharing that story. I, I don't know if you um if you're aware of the healing work that Lee and I do, regenetics. No, tell me. The very first book was called Conscious Healing. It's been out since oh five, so quite a while now. Okay. I'll just read you a little section that, that is relevant to this to this discussion. You'll see what you know, why why I'm going there instantly, okay. I think. talking about junk DNA here. Fortunately, more and more scientists who have asked how nature could be so inefficient are beginning to rethink this dogma that ultimately raises more questions than it answers. Recent research has shed light on intense epigenetic as well as metagenetic activity in quote-unquote junk DNA, which appears to have much more to do with creating a specific species than previously thought. Uh, For example, if we only look at the small portion of DNA composed of exons, perhaps you have heard there is a little difference, genetically speaking, between a human being and a fruit fly. There's also practically nothing at the level of exons that distinguishes one human being from another. Others who have studied the mystery of junk DNA insist that the little as 3% of the human genome directly responsible for protein transcription does not contain enough information to build any kind of body.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: faced with this mystifying scenario, more and more scientists are paying attention to curious structures called jumping DNA or transposons found in the supposedly useless 97% of the DNA molecule. Just bear with me because this is kind of fun. So in 83, this uh, scientist named uh, Barbara McClintock was awarded the Nobel Prize for discovering transposons. So all this jumping DNA stuff was really, really cool. So you have junk DNA being kind of rethought. So DNA, whether coding or non-coding, whether exons, introns, or transposons, is composed of an alphabet of four basic letters for creating nucleotides that combine to form 64 different words used to build a virtually limitless number of sentences called genes. The number 64 is especially interesting given another of our inspirations, J.J. Hurtok's The Keys of Enoch.
0: Yeah.
1: Keys of Enoch is an, an elaboration of the keys for creating a higher energy body. Significantly, there are 64 keys just as there are 64 nucleotide combinations. Hurtok obviously is writing about actualizing a transformational potential in our genetics. Mm. It's also so,
0: 64 in the I Ching.
1: Yeah, which you know goes back a, a very, very long way. There's several books that have been written about that connection, let me see, i uh, uh, love to provide that information because people who want to go down that rabbit hole, there, uh, this is a review on one of them. So The reviewers said there are three books on the subject of the correspondence between genetics and the I Ching. There's Sean I Ching and the Genetic Code. There's uh, <laughs> DNA and the I Ching, the Tao of Life by Johnson Yan, and Katya Walter's Tao of Chaos, DNA and the I Ching.
0: So junk DNA then, do you think that that's like what this kind of like synchronicity kind of stuff is? Is that where it's at?
1: Well, in the DNA? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people talk about what's in the DNA, but I think of the DNA as just being a code or programming or part of the processing. Processes, information held in the information field, and if you want to call that the etheric body or the Akashic record or your aura or, you know, it doesn't really matter to me, or maybe it's re- the reality that's outside the simulation that we're connected to by the motherboard and by our DNA. Okay. So, you know, so in any case, that's where information is held. It's held in some kind of field, a non-local field. I mean, Rupert Sheldrake would call it a morphic field. Um, Tellyard de Chardin, the great uh, Jesuit philosopher, would call it the Neuosphere. You know, it's got a million different names and different traditions. That's where our memories of our past lives and many memories from this life are stored. It's also where we store trauma. It distorts the field, right? And Mm -hmm. so, and then it speaks through the DNA to us in a variety of ways, because, I mean, DNA literally translates light into sound and sound into light. So you might be getting light codes from another realm and then it's translating them into subtle sounds that are giving you information that you're processing on some level. Uh, And that's telling you a story and it might come forth as memories and the memories could either be real Or Mm -hmm. they could be symbolic memories that maybe are, you know, have to do with your traumas or things that you're trying to work on in this life, whatever.
0: You know, I do have to say, though, so there was this process of Shanna, right? It was like healing my own, you know, in this life. And then, okay, well, that's clear. Well, then I'm free, right? Nope. Got all of this trauma from my ancestors that I had to deal with. Healed that. And I thought, oh, man, that was it. I'm done. And then all of a sudden, all this you know, way deeper shit comes to you. saw, so I never saw any of this, like, you know, this is just unfolded. And I guess I was present enough to see it and accept it.
1: Hmm. So I guess the question is for me would be, you know, how to, and this was my own question, because I was really, really sick. But my question was, how do I actually get to the root of some of these distortions? How do I, you know, Thoreau talked about, that there's only you know a handful of people who are digging at the root of problems versus all the people chopping away at the branches right and so i was really sick i had kind of this with this what you might call an autoimmune type of illness even though that's a problematic term and i was trying to figure out how to get well and when i realized that we in this wherever we are are connected to an information field where a lot of our problems are recorded or, you know, our dysfunction is actually held in a field. Mm -hmm. So it was obvious to me that you had to figure out how to reprogram the dysfunction to not be dysfunctional, if that's possible. And that's really the only way to get at the root. So then I began looking at DNA, language, sound, vowels, and There's a lot to this story, and I write about this in Conscious Healing and in the follow-up book, Potentiate Your DNA. But to make a long story short, Lee and I made a trip to Brazil, had a series of kind of mystical experiences, and ultimately were given a series of vowel codes that we were told to sing and think simultaneously. There's actually two different sets of codes. And so you're, you're singing one thing and thinking another thing. It's very odd. And I was told that this is how you will get well. And lo and behold, as soon as we did that, we just started releasing all of this incredible toxicity and going through just absolutely profound changes, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And this just went on and on and on and on. The whole process, once we initiated it, the process lasted for just over nine months. That's a gestation cycle. It's literally a rebirth, sort of birth in a different version of myself, you know.
0: Wow. So, you know what? It's interesting because, you know, I had ADHD, you know, I had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, you know, I was on all kinds of meds and just Mm -hmm. numb. So I decided to get off everything, do some talk therapy And this lady tells me, why you need to go to mindfulness class. I'm like, dude, I have ADHD. How the frick am I supposed to be mindful? So I look up like malas and mantras or something came up and I started listening to these chants. I just loved them. And it broke me open. That was it. I didn't even know what I was doing.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's very nice. So powerful, you know, it's in the beginning was the word. I mean, you know, that says it all right there. That's That tells you how powerful language is.
0: Yeah. And then that was one thing that the Her talks suggested. They're like, you could totally chant your name. They're like, Vavra. <laughs> yeah, actually, that is amazing. And they did like a whole series of songs, like singing the
1: different names of God. I'm aware of that. Yeah.
0: And, and just like, you know, those bowels were so healing. And is that something that you're teaching in like your conscious energy modality?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's called regenetics or, or the regenetics method. Mm-hmm. Conscious healing is an introduction to that with a lot of backstory. And then Potentiate Your DNA teaches you how to do the first DNA activation in the in the method. And I'm also on at SaulLuckman.substack.com. I'm just about to release. It's a tutorial that is in a video format. And that is another way of learning how to do this work for yourself and for your family and other people.
0: Do you take clients and everything too? Do you work with them over Zoom?
1: We don't. We go into private ceremony and we have instructions for what people are supposed to do during the ceremony. We also do group ceremonies the first Sunday of every month what's called Worldwide Potentiation Ceremony. It's free. So yeah, we get to work with people. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, we've probably worked with people from almost every country in the world at this point in time.
0: That's amazing. But I think that people are seeking, much like me, you know, we're all kind of like on our own journey, starting as the fool.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, you know, I have to say that when I first thought even of an idea of a goddess, I was like, what was that, like princesses? You know, I mean, I just, I didn't get it at all. And actually, even still, and I don't know about you, but I feel like when so many people start to believe in something, like they almost create it.
1: Yeah. Do you know the concept of an egregore? No. An egregore is a uh, group thought form. You have that. And have you gone far enough in uh, Cali the Destroyer to read about the tulpa?
0: No, T-U-L-G-A I haven't.
1: Tulpa mm-hmm. is the embodied weapon. So you get to where you meet what the embodied weapon is from Thelate's perspective, and it's a tulpa, which is a thought projection. So it's literally the eon coming through his, his mortal consciousness and then turning into the eon as a kind of holographic thought projection.
0: Yeah, okay. You know, when I was doing some research on like Baphomet, I kind of thought that that's what they did with Baphomet.
1: I'm sure it's been done in all kinds of different ways. There, there was, um, there was an entire um, practice in Tibetan, Tibetan schools of mysticism, and they called it something like deity creation, where they spent learning how to create mentally create a little deity that was almost like a familiar or something like a witch's or you know a magician's familiar like a cat or something like that but it was a, it was a holographic projection but it could do things it had enough reality to actually affect the, the so-called physical world
0: wow you know that kind of reminds me of the study they did in canada when they created a poltergeist similar
1: exactly the same yeah. type of phenomenon but what this really is all of this speaks to the enormous power our mind and our consciousness to create realities. And I think where this goes is there's not really an easy cutoff point. You can't just say, oh, we can do that, but it only goes so far. I mean, who said it only goes so far? I'm saying it goes all the way and we are sort of creating the entire shooting match.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. This is totally what I've seen. And you know, I think it's all about accessing this wisdom, that is not something you're going to learn in a book. And actually, I don't even think, I think it's like universal wisdom. It is divine wisdom. It's ancient wisdom. And what I've also noticed is that all of those ancient mystery school practices are just today's Ascension mystic modern teachings.
1: Oh, you're, you're exactly right. And of course, the name for all of that really is the Gnosis. You know, it's <laughs> I went on a podcast. There you go. With this guy named Jason Bashears, whose channel is just really blown up, and he's been writing about the Phoenix phenomenon and simulation theory and all this fascinating stuff. It's called archaics.com. And I interviewed him, actually, I interviewed him, but it was it was a very balanced conversation, so it, it was less of an interview and more of a conversation, I suppose. And somebody in the comments, as we were starting on the live stream or the whatever, whatever you want to call that, said, Let the gnosis flow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what it's about. I know. And I was like, so that's where I'm at. I was like, you brought me all the way through all the stuff just for me to understand that, which is kind of like, and cause I'm like, what's more than I'm like, you've destroyed my belief system. <laughs> you know, my country.
1: The archaics is really the rabbit hole of rabbit holes. Oh, really? Uh, oh God. It's the ultimate rabbit hole. And it has direct connections to Gnostic stuff and Gnosticism and the notion of a goddess and that kind of thing. Not in any way that you probably ever thought about. Maybe you have, but I hadn't exactly when I began dipping my toe in this deep, deep water.
0: Wow. Okay. Yes. I'm going to have to check it out for sure. So let's talk a little bit more about Callie. Callie the Destroyer, your book. She is a teenager with a star-crossed lover.
1: It's definitely a coming-of-age Young adult type of work in that way, although there is some sex and sexuality, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I, I realized pretty early on that I didn't think it was possible to write an honest novel about the goddess without getting into sexualities. And so you have Juice and, and Callie. He's black, She's she, white, she's wealthy, he's not. They live on opposite sides of the tracks in a dystopian future. It is a kind of reversion to segregationist Southern ways. And the whole country is like that now. It's not just the South. Uh, So because there's references to a second American Civil War. And and so it's very Handmaid's Tale meets Man in the High Castle or something in that way, in a lot of ways. And then with a strong, heavy dose of uh, something like Hunger Games with all the technology that they have as a futuristic society.
0: Well, I mean, like honestly, I for the longest time said, why has no one ever made like a movie about this? Cause that's kind of like my go to sometimes where I'm like, oh, I want to learn more about, I don't know, say like the tutors or something. You can go and watch a movie, you can watch a hundred movies. <laughs> right, right. Or Jesus or whatever, Solomon. And I'm like, no one's ever, ever, like, done anything on Sophia. But I think it was, it's such a good story.
1: The Sophia story is a good story?
0: Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I'm, like, in love with it. That's why I love that, that you kind of did that with more of a... Actually, I love that you brought in the past, you brought in the future. You got all of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to pay you know very close attention to the fallen goddess scenario and take that as if that were the the real past that's that actually happened and that there was this really bright young eon in the pleroma who invented the anthropos the human strain and fell in love with it in many ways and then she fell to dreaming and she tumbled straight out of the pleroma she goes spiraling through space she freaks out she's you know uh been separated from the only place she's known, the, you know, the her galactic home. And then she's also separated from her mate, Thilate. And as she spins through space, uh, she has this very traumatic, fearful moment, and she creates the Archons, right? That's the story of the fallen goddess. So they are creation. I love it. I
0: think it should be a movie though. I think that Cali the Destroyer should be a movie. I'm like all for this.
1: That yeah, would be great. I mean, I'm 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 really hoping that we cross some kind of magical Rubicon and we can begin to make movies like this that actually yes. have a budget and that are done, you know, at a high level. But, you know, until we get there, we just have to do what we can. You know, in some ways we're in the kind of entertainment ghetto with just writing books and in a world of movies, you know.
0: Um, well, and the Gnostic movies are so just I mean, I don't even, I mean, I get it, you know, the whole matrix thing. And I, you know, there's that one that's called like Freya or something like that on Netflix. And I just saw it, but I'm like, oh my God, this is so dark. I just, I don't see the story that way. Maybe it's just my perspective because you know what? None of the things that I've ever learned, Saul, have been from other people. So everything that I've discovered about Sophia has been through either Gnostic Gospels or my dreams and I do a lot of art and I have learned a lot through my art. So it's interesting because when I hear other people speak of Sophia or speak about other things in the Gnostic gospels, I'm like, where did they get that? Like, like, I can't see it the way they see it. Yeah. I mean, the
1: Gnostic Gospels are, a, are really a hot mess. I mean, they're, they're in bad shape. They're hard to understand. They can be yeah. translated in a bunch of different ways. And we could argue yeah. all day long about what that means you know, there's, there's some people who think that the Gnostics were somehow like early Christians. And then John Lash says, uh, uh-uh, uh they're completely wrong about almost everything. So really who knows who was right about that. I really mm-hmm. think Gnosis, the Gnosis really points to our inner. It's something that we can access through our gifts. I like what Jason at Archaics says. He says that we have divine qualities that we are here in this simulation to fortify and maybe even perfect at some point the first is intuition mm-hmm. the second is empathy and the third is imagination i really couldn't say it any better and he says that one of the reasons that we reincarnate over and over again in order to gain wisdom and to progress in this series of life sims is so that we can be other people we can be Mm. and men and gay and bi and trans and we can do all of it and Mm -hmm. you do that and you do that in the right space that you will have a kind of bleed through into subsequent experiences where for whatever reason you're just a more empathic person and you're willing to understand where other people are coming from even if that's not your current experience that's the empathy piece. And it really kind of sets the stage for other aspects of the development, which would go into intuition, where you're beginning to look inward, as you mentioned earlier, in either into your mind, or your dreams, or you're a psychonaut in one way or another. And you're following a a flow of knowledge, like intuition, it's been said is the precursor to knowledge, right? Knowledge isn't something that just happens in a concrete way. It is literally a process that you arrive at through an intuitive mechanism.
0: Yeah. And we've been taught not to trust that. I mean I, that's like my biggest thing in teaching my children like when something's wrong, how does it feel? How do you feel? What are you feeling in your body?
1: That I'll just say this, Shanna, to finish the thought is that you know the crowning achievement in this development is the imagination. And that's when you learn mm-hmm true power but imagination is so powerful that without a a modicum of empathy and a little bit of intuition to help you get to the right truth that imagination can become a double-edged sword your warhead it it can be very dangerous and so we actually have to have the three in balance the trinity. in a way we have to have those in balance so that we can become truly conscious creators. And I would suggest that's what the purpose of this experience is. It's teaching us through many difficulties to become conscious creators of our own experience.
0: Mm, yes,
1: we are so powerful as creators that we can create our own micro realities inside the collective reality. And we we can live full, meaningful good compassionate lives in the middle of this kind of shit show and it's it happens all the time i mean you literally have i i I just shared a video on my my telegram of a beautiful large beach house in fort myers in uh, that in the area that had been hardest hit by hurricane ian and literally everything within sight around this thing for miles was leveled, and it was just completely untouched. Oh
0: my God, I love that. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed our conversation. You're just full of gnosis and I appreciate you sharing it with us. Can you tell everybody what your websites are and where they can get all of your amazing books and all the fun stuff?
1: Well, you know, it's all it's all on Amazon and all those places, the regular usual suspects, but please visit my two kind of primary websites, crowrising.com, crow like the bird, crowrising.com. And then Saulluckman.substack.com is where I'm putting out a lot of really, really good content and some exclusive content. And that's kind of rocking and rolling over there. That's a, a good venue.
0: And your podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a podcast. You can search Crow Rising on YouTube. I'm on BitChute. It's a Saul Luckman Uncensored. You know, if you search around, I show up kind of all over the place. And now it's time for break that shit down. When I get a question like that, I usually say, follow your bliss, following Joseph Campbell. I love the advice. I think it encapsulates uh, one of the greatest teachings of the Gnosis because that's really what puts you into the ability to exercise your empathy, your intuition, and your imagination. It puts you in an uh, integrated feeling, thinking, and being state. And I don't think there's a better way to go than to follow your bliss. Anything else is just less than. And why do that? And
0: it is fun. You had mentioned that. And so when you're following your bliss, it's it, it should be fun. Life should be fun. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
1: Oh, I appreciate you too. Thanks for having me, Shannon. I really enjoyed our chat.
0: Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see the movie. Callie the Destroyer.
1: Well, you know, if you ever meet a filmmaker or, you know, someone is looking for a script or something like that, let me know.
0: I will be absolutely suggesting that. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up.